0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us what God really meant when he said to Adam, Where art thou? This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from
1: this week's messages. You couldn't get rest. You can't get rest when you're afraid, right? Isaiah 57 20 says, The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. It can't. That was the same Lord Jesus Christ who wrestled all night with Jacob in Genesis 32, and having won the wrestling match, he changed his name to Israel. That was the same Lord Jesus Christ who Moses and the 70 elders went up onto Mount Sinai, and it says they saw God.
0: Now here's Tom Cantor as we finish our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Genesis teaching series.
1: And for anyone who's lost, it doesn't matter the place, but God calls out with that passion, with that compassion in his voice. And so he's asking, Adam, Adam, how's it going for you? Is it well with your soul, Adam? You know, this was the first question that God asked in the Bible. It's a very important question. And God was really asking; He was really asking him to look at look at yourself, Adam. I mean, God didn't lose track of where Adam and Eve were. I hope you know that, right? Like I lose track of Cheryl at home and yell, hey, "Cheryl, where are you?" So I can find out and hear and go in that direction. God wasn't saying, "Ah, oh, so many trees, such a big garden. Next time I'll make a smaller one." You know, I can't find Adam. <laughs> it's not easy being God. You know, walking around saying. It. <laughs> He wants to call him back to himself. And so he says, where art thou? Now, this is the beginning of something great here with God. And to see it, uh, turn to Romans chapter two, verse four. This is something great that God is doing here. And we want to really hone in on this and see what's God up to. Romans two, verse four, okay? Now, Paul is speaking. Of course Paul's speaking. This is his book. Romans. Anyway, he's speaking and speaking as Paul does. And he says here, despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering? So we stop there and say, what goodness, what forbearance, what long suffering is Paul talking about here? And then he says, not knowing that the goodness, and you could also say, and the forbearance and the long suffering, but let's just stick with the text that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Leadeth thee to repentance. That's the goodness of God. It leads to repentance. Now, remember, we saw already about how good God was in Genesis 1. Everything was good. It was good, verse 10. It was good, verse 12. Genesis 1. It was good, verse 18. It was good, verse 21. It was good, verse 25. And finally, in verse 31, it was very good. Everything's good. Everything's so good. So very good. It was good, why? For many reasons. One of them is that every need was provided for by God. Man had every need provided for by God. So it's all very good. I wonder, do you ever take the time to just stop in your life and think about how good God is. You know, we run around, we got these rat races that we run in, you know, we got to do this, we got to do that, we're all in them. And we didn't do that and that, so we put it down for the next time list. And we don't take time to consider creation. You know, we're we're worried about how we're going to argue with the evolutionists. But just to consider creation, know, I learned the value of taking time to do this about creation because some time ago, some years ago, we had a number of foreign students living in our home. It was like a little United Nations in there. We had from Japan and Germany and France. And they all over. Plus our kids from the U.S., so there they were. And one of the kids who was living with us was Toby. Toby. And Toby was from Bavaria. He was actually the son of our landlords. We had an office there, Bavaria, and they rented a, the office space to us. That was Toby, the son. And Toby loved the sky. He loved the sky. He loved the sky and the clouds. And he used to go in our backyard and he would just lie on his back, and for hours he'd just be up there looking up, uh, you know, for a long time. You know, thought there was something wrong with him, but he just did that, and he would he would watch the clouds move, and and that was the reason why he uh, went into flying gliders. He he became glider flyer, and and he he would talk about what it was like, you know, the noise of the plane to be towed up there in the sky. And then he said, then there was that moment when he was cut loose and then it all gets quiet, he says, and totally still. And he says he's alone. The only person in the plane is him. He's alone. He's surrounded with the beauty of the sky and the clouds. See? Creation's good. Creation's good. We need to take a little time to look at it. Why is the creation good? because God's good. That's why the creation's good, because God's good. That's a transition, that a very important transition that's left for man to figure out and consider on his, on his own. I see that everything is so good, and the reason it's so good is because God is so good. That's a very important transition. Well, Adam had seen how good God was in the creation. But Adam has no idea at this point how good God's going to show himself to be. He has no idea that how good God's going to be to rescue him from his sin. Adam has fallen, he stretches, he needs to stretch out his hand to God to be held and he's about to see the goodness of God when God takes his hand like we talked about and holds it tight. He's suffering, Adam is suffering under the weight of this guilt and this shame and the feeling of nakedness, but he's about to see how God is gonna take that burden off of him. You know, he, he, he's in a panic, he's terrified, he's afraid of God, but Adam is about to see how God's gonna make peace with him. It's wonderful. He's about, Adam is about to do exactly what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 19, where Peter says, would you please commit the keeping of your soul? Why, Peter? As unto a faithful creator. Have you seen in his creation that he was faithful? Take it to the next level. And commit the keeping of your soul. means saving of your soul. He's about to see that. So Adam is about to take all his knowledge of how good and faithful God is and to now say, Okay, God, would you please be good to me to save me? Well, man's sinned. He's become lost. And God's going to save him here and reconcile them. And God has a course. This is called God's course that leads to repentance. This is the program. So God's question is, first step in the course is, where art thou? That's the first step. You're not ready for the cure until you see the disease. Okay. So Adam, where are you? Well, where was Adam? He was shivering in fear, as we talked about. He's pitifully behind a tree pathetically covered with these fig leaves. He's he's aware of his sinfulness. He's aware of his fearfulness. He's aware of his nakedness. He's aware of his stupidness. And the first step in God's course uh, to to repentance is, where are you, Adam? Where are you? It was Adam's choice at that point to either whether or not to let God bring him through the course, to whether he was going to respond to the forbidden fruit. Whether he was going to listen to God say, how's that forbidden fruit working for you now, Adam? You still have it in your hand? Are you better off now? Sounds political. Are you better off now than you were before? Are you satisfied that now your eyes are open? Or Adam, but no, Adam was ready to cry out, no, I'm miserable. I'm naked. I'm terrified. I'm stupid. I'm not where I was. I'm not where I want to be. And with those kind of responses, God says, God says, okay, now we can move you to the next step in the course that leads to repentance. But keep in mind, that was Adam's choice. Adam did not have to accept getting into God's course of repentance. He could have said, no, I won't accept it. I'm not wrong. I'm smarter than the average bear. That's what he could have said. I could fix this myself. And I, and, and I don't have to accept all this humiliation he could have been like Cain tragic words we're going to see later on in Genesis four sixteen. and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord Adam could have checked out like Cain did and said I'm out of here I won't submit to God I'm not going to get into God's course of repentance that's not for me and God has many many ways to bring people to his course to repentance It could be trouble at home It could be trouble at work. It could be trouble at the law. Every one of those is God's first step in his course to lead to repentance. And no one has to accept that course. And everyone has a free choice. Anyone can say, I'll take the next step, God. Or they can say, no, I won't go. You know, we saw a very dramatic example of this. I don't know if you noted this on Thursday, June 28th. In Judge Bruce Cohen's, I have a friend named Bruce Cohen, but he's not a judge. In Judge Bruce Cohen's courtroom from Phoenix, Arizona, stood a 53-year-old Michael Marin. This is a father of four grown children, a Yale-educated lawyer, made a lot of money as a successful stock trader, and uh, he was, had a Playboy lifestyle. And in 2008, Michael Marin had $900,000 in his bank account. But in July of 2009, he had a little bit less, $50 in his bank account. And he was looking at a monthly mortgage for his 10,000 square foot mansion of $17,250. He had to pay that every month. And he had a big upcoming balloon payment that was going to be due of $2.3 million. And he owed $34,000 in back taxes. Apart from that, he was in very good financial shape. So, (laughs) So what does he do? Michael Marin says, I'm smarter than the average bear. So he sets his house on fire. And he sets his house on fire. And then he puts on his scuba tank and mask because he's smarter than the average bear, and he climbs out the burning house. Well, the investigators thought, that's a little suspicious. You know, I mean, it's not everybody who puts on a scuba tank and masks and, anyway. So in the courtroom last Thursday, as he's receiving his guilty verdict from the judge... And the judge is reading to him his guilty verdict, and that's God's goodness. That was God's goodness to him. It was all over Michael because God was saying, stop and bring you, Michael, into this course of repentance. He was saying to Michael at that time, where are you, Michael? Michael, where are you? Look at yourself. Look at how lost you are, Michael. Look at how, let me bring you on my course of repentance and salvation. He was faced with that, that choice. And in that courtroom, he made a decision because just as the verdict was being read to him and he put his head in his hands like this and he seemed to slip something into his mouth like that and then he reached down and he took a, he had a sports bottle took a swig a sports bottle and the judge kept reading the verdict to michael he coughs he gags he doubles over he falls to the floor the attorney cries out your honor your honor your honor and he's pronounced dead What happened? God brought Michael to the end of himself. And God was calling to Michael, where art thou, Michael? Where are you? And in that call was God's plea to Michael, like Adam, let me lead you to repentance. I'm good. It'll be good for you. It'll be better for you. Trust me. Get into my course of repentance. But every person has that decision. They can say yes. They can say no. Michael and Cain, Tragic decisions of no. They wouldn't go on God's course leading them to repentance. Adam and Eve, the right one. They said yes. Us, we've all sinned. Every single one of us. Romans 3 20, 20, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Take away the word all and write your name. Oh, that's easy for me. For Tom Cantor has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Oh, has he sinned? Just like with Adam. But as soon as it happens, the good God comes in with his course leading to repentance. And he says, and here again, each one of us can fill in the name. Where art thou, Tom? Where art thou? That's the God saying, stop, look at yourself. Look at how disturbed you are. Look at how nervous you are. Look at how fearful you are inside. Look at how naked you feel. Look at how exposed and afraid you are. And then let me take you through the course. Such a change. There'll be a new birth. And the problem of your desires... They're gonna change, you're gonna have new desires. Throw down those weapons of rebellion, trust me. So with the question of where art thou, God is saying it's just pretty tiring, it's exhausting to live a life without God. It's, it's frustrating to be all the time silencing, conscious, that's wrong, huh? it's fatiguing to be on the run from God, it's tiring. And God's saying, haven't you had enough? Aren't you ready to surrender? and let me lead you, and lead you where? Right into the the arms of the outstretched arms of the Lord Jesus Christ who says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my rope upon you, learn of me. I'm meek, lowly in heart. You'll find rest, peace, rest to your souls. My burden, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, next week, we'll continue on in God's course of leading Adam to repentance, and this was the first step in it of where art thou, and that's a great God that we have to be so patient. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the God that doesn't cast us off. Lord, for being the God who comes after us when we've gone away from God and sinned against you and offended you, and you come, Lord, with your program, a wonderful program, Lord, that, that is a program of grace and truth, truth to face the sin, but grace to be forgiven. Lord, help us to avail ourselves and not to be runners away from God of each one of us in our lives and help, Lord, also us to be helpers to others who are outside and on their, and on their fugitive run from God. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom, isn't it
0: interesting that the first question God asked in the Bible was, where art thou? A lot of people are resentful to being questioned. Is it justified to be
1: resentful? You know, that's exactly right. That that really is the first question that God asked in the Bible, where art thou? And it it's depends on how you view the person who is asking that question. You know, in this case, this was a question of love and concern and care. And so to view it in the right way is to turn to God and to say, he cares about me. He loves me. He's concerned for me. Therefore, he asked the question, where art thou? Where art thou? You know, uh, uh my uh my wife I'm a little bit guilty of this myself because I'm always uh when my wife is leaves the house for example and I call her and says where are you at and and, and uh you know even uh when, when I was uh sick and then I I had this intercom installed all throughout the house even in the bathroom you know outside in the garden and and everywhere and I'll jump on there and say where are you and then and then sometimes she'll she'll just say look you're driving me crazy you me, and I'll have to kind of back off, but it's out of love and concern and and because I care about her. And that's the way this question really was given by God. And it says in 2 Corinthians 2 9, this is what Paul said to the Corinthian church. He said, For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. It was because Paul loved them and was concerned for them and cared for them that he was writing and he was asking and he was wanting to know, where are you? Where are you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? Where are you in your love for the Lord Jesus Christ? Where are you in your obedience Is your obedience being kept just up to where it should be. And so therefore, he says in this verse, I did these things because I wanted to know the proof of you to find out whether or not it was well with you. And that's really where God was coming from when he came to Adam. And he wanted Adam really to look at himself and to say, where are you, Adam? And and he wanted Adam to know that God was loving him by monitoring him, by caring for him, and by really tapping him on the shoulder and say, Adam, adam, adam you 've gone the wrong way now it 's time, Adam, to go back to where you made the wrong turn and turn and 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 turn back to me so in the case of uh, of being resentful over the question and in adam 's case he that was really an attitude to be repented of of the 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 attitude of being resentful to God for asking and really to say oh god 's hounding me and it was really a case of saying, of, of really turning to God and say, you know what? I love that he said, where art thou? Because when he said, where art thou, that shows how much he loves me, how much he cares for me, and how much he's concerned for my well-being. And that is the God of all love, concern, and care. And it's all tied up in that question that he asked, where art thou?
0: You know, you also mentioned today, Tom, in our lesson about how important it is for Adam to have come clean over what he did. Now, For our listeners, explain how important that is for us today.
1: Yeah. Well, it's very, very important. I mean, when you look at at, at that whole scene of what developed there in Genesis 3, we really do have a scene of God coming to Adam and say, Adam, there's something that I cannot do for you. There's something that you must do yourself. I'll help you. I'll guide you. I'll put every direction possible in the way for you. But at the end of the day, you've got to do it, Adam. It's all yours. It's yours alone. And that was come clean. You have to come clean, Adam, over what you did. And that's so vitally important because there's no going on with God. There is no friendship with God until a person is willing to and does come clean with God. And not gives this, uh, sorry for my mistake, God, but to actually name it, nail it. And And that's what we mean when we say come clean over what you did. God came to those in Genesis 3, and he said, what hast thou done? What did you do? In essence, God was saying, come clean with me now and tell me exactly what you did. And of course, in the context of saying what you did, say, frame it. It was wrong. I I am sorry for what I did. I shouldn't have done it. Please forgive me. Those are the words of the new beginning. Those are the words that start the new day with God. This is, David knew this so well, and he said in Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, he prayed to God and he said, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see, if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. It's so beautiful when David does this because he lays out the steps so concisely, so clearly. He says, number one, O God, I search me. I hold my heart open to you. So, O God, I'm asking you to search me. Then he says, know my heart. That means my intents. Know the intents of my heart. If you see hatred in my heart, reveal it to me. If you see envy in my heart, reveal it to me. If you see if you see pride in my heart, show it to me. So he says, search me and know my heart. Then he says, know my thoughts. God knows our thoughts. So what David is saying here is saying, know my thoughts and Lord, please take the time to care, be concerned and to love me by revealing and bringing up to my surface, the thought that is sin, the thought, the, 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 the secret thought, oh, if I could just get away with this, I would, that's a bad thought. Oh, I, 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 I would do this, I'm planning this, it's an imagination that I, in my heart to do some wicked thing. That's a thought that needs to be confess to God that needs to be forsaken and needs to be apologized for. And then he said, "See if there's any wicked way, in other words, a tendency which I'm going in, a direction in which I'm going in." He said, "I want to forsake all of that." And then he says, "He knows how weak he is. He knows how prone he is to sin. He knows how 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 the 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 desire as a wicked weed is inside of him to sin. So therefore, he says, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. It's interesting that the way of righteousness is called the way everlasting. Why? Because that's a way that will continue in eternity forever in heaven, as opposed to the wicked way, which is only temporary before God, because that will be destroyed in hell. Now, in Psalm 51, three through four, he says, for I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. And that's also very, very important to say to God, that was a transgression, that was a sin, and to keep it before him, not to sort of put it under the carpet, keep it before him because he says against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So he names what he has done. It says, as we've seen in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, 28, that before the communion time, we are told, let a man examine himself and then let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And what we are told about the good ground Christian, the good ground Christian who the word of God falls on in Luke eight fifteen, is a person with an honest and good heart, having heard the word keeps it, brings forth fruit with patience. And that's what God wants to see in us. A good heart, an honest heart that calls sin what it is and forsakes it before God. That's what he wants to see. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Now, what are the most frequently asked questions that Jewish people have? Tom Cantor has written a book called Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. This book will help you to better reach lost Jewish people as well as know your Bible doctrine better and contend for the faith with anyone you encounter. With over 60 pages of questions and notes, this will help you to show the doctor, deity, and character of the Lord Jesus Christ as you've never seen it before. Call us today to obtain a copy of this book, 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow.